Welcome to the Queendom. Your host, Lauren Mortacini. Hello and welcome back to Thy Queendom Come, a podcast where we talk about sex and spirituality, unleashing the divine feminine energy that exists within all of us (laughs) and what it looks like to live a life led by what feels good. We explore the idea that living a life led by what truly feels good oftentimes requires tough conversations, uncomfortable moments. (laughs) It requires that we dive into and talk about parts of our human experience that we're not necessarily taught how to talk about. But they're important too, because they impact our human experience. They impact how we see ourselves and how we see and treat each other. Nothing is off limits here. I am your host, Lauren Mordicini. You can find me on Instagram at queendomlow or email me any questions, comments, stories, anything you have to share with me. Email me low at queendomlow.com. I love to hear from you guys. I am coming to you guys today from a new season. a new season of my personal life. It feels like a new season of the queendom's life. And I've been experiencing this huge shift recently, massive shift. And it seems like everyone that's close to me is as well. Um, I don't know if it's being in my late 20s. This is kind of when life starts to snowball and pick up, but it just seems like everyone in my close circle, the people around me, are all experiencing massive shifts, like extreme opportunities to up-level in outrageous ways. And it's great. It's amazing. I'm, it's, it's overwhelming at times. But recently, as I've been experiencing this shift, these shifts, I've started to realize that as we evolve and as we grow, so do the challenges that we face. (laughs) The more that we come to have in life, the more we stand to lose. We experience more and more of life and we figure out what it is that we desire and then we fight like a hell to get it shit just starts to to mean more, you know, like opportunities begin to mean more and, and what we want and relationships and um, our character as we go through life, all of these things begin to just carry so much more weight and things get better, especially if we are following our desires and living into what feels good, setting boundaries and growing into who it is that we actually want to become. You know, we've figured it out and we are fighting like hell and things start to get really good and it's overwhelming. They begin to just get better and better, but it also gets harder. Shit gets harder. And this is how it goes for anything as the potential reward becomes greater and greater, whatever that reward is so does the risk. 
and usually the challenges that stand in the way of that reward. Every situation, I mean, romantic, career, investing, personal goals, you know, selling off all of your shit, everything that you own to travel the world or join the circus is a massive fucking risk. The more you live into the possibilities that exist out there, the more insane shit you're going to have to come up against and move through or move over or around. (laughs) But fuck, I mean, you're in the circus. Or swimming under the most beautiful freaking waterfall you've ever seen in Bali, smoking ganja with locals and watching monkeys fuck off. I mean, so it makes all of those crazy challenges to get there worth it when you get to experience life in a way that you never thought possible. Experiences that were once so far out of your reach. It makes it all worth it. But shit's hard, man. You've got all the normal shit that's hard. Just normal life things, you know, showering eating breakfast, paying bills, doing taxes, sitting in traffic, learning how to navigate the world and relationships and careers and just all of that shit. Uh, It's fucking hard. Remembering to pick up toilet paper, shit like that, right? And I think like widely speaking, overall speaking, we're not really prepared for everything that is going to be hard when we reach this point in our lives. But the shift that I've been experiencing recently is, has very little to do actually with what's directly in front of me, the hard tasks that are directly in front of me. Um, This shift has felt more like a death, honestly. It's taught me a lot about letting go. Because the other thing is that the more life gives us, the more we have material things, relationships, experiences, victories, traumas, the more baggage we have, the more we have that can weigh us down, hold us back, or at the very least can keep us looking backwards into the past instead of forward where we're going, or even at the present where we are now. I feel like until recently, I would think about holding on to things in the past and I would immediately go to the negative, you know, holding on to those, those traumas, shame, guilt, those grudges, But something that I am currently learning in this shift is that sometimes some of the things holding us back, some of the moments, experiences, relationships, opportunities that we can't exactly entirely let go of or move on from are actually really beautiful or they were they were very beautiful when they were in our present. And because they were so good then, we hold on to them or just don't want to fully let them go for hopes that maybe it'll feel this good again because it did back then. So why doesn't it now? Maybe it can, maybe it will, maybe it'll change and maybe it'll feel good again. And so we hold on and we don't let it go because we don't want it to. Or it's gotten to a point where it's such the opposite of what it used to be that you just can't accept that this is the present reality now. How can it be? It was so good before. But every single thing that is living eventually dies. And something that was beautiful then 
maybe past its season now, even if the physical components are still there, which makes it even more fucking difficult. The job is still here. It's still there. But your season in that job is long fucking over. The human is still walking the earth somewhere. He or she is not dead. But the season that your connection existed in is is gone. It came and it passed and it was beautiful, but it's over now. Um, and it's hard to see these physical components of something that was once living, but for it not to actually be alive anymore. And it's kind of a mind fuck. You know, I've got uh, dead flowers on my wall <laughs> from five years ago. They were actually given to me uh, by somebody who I am going to talk about later on in the episode. Shit's gonna get juicy. <laughs> and they're physically still here. And they are beautiful, but they are very dead. I preserved them. Had I not preserved them five years ago, they would not no longer be here because their season has come and it has gone. Um, I preserved them when they were living and now they're able to kind of exist in this beautiful state of preservation. They didn't get thrown in the trash or lit on fire, but they are fucking dead. Like they are very, very dead. I, my analogies today are just going to continue getting fucking weirder. So I hope you guys are on board for that. <laughs> it's interesting. I've been thinking recently about how we often will say this too shall pass as a reminder for when things are bad, but we rarely ever remind ourselves of that when things are good because all good things, they also pass in one way or another. This too, this beautiful moment that we never want to end, it's going to pass. Every living thing in this realm, in the realm that we know or that and are living in, its nature of good or bad aside, it dies. Whatever it is, whether it's our physical experience or an idea or a moment or an opportunity, it has to die at some point in order to evolve into what's next, what's coming, what that life was leading up to. Good people die. Good relationships die good opportunities die. And dying doesn't have to necessarily be such a bad thing. Good ideas theoretically die when they become realized because they're no longer an idea anymore. They've evolved into something different and it's going to continue evolving into something different. But it has to be like allowed to die, you know? If we held on to this idea forever and never allowed it to evolve into what it could potentially become, then we're not honoring the idea itself. And the next one is the part that I have kind of been experiencing recently that has honestly changed a lot for me, not just in my mental and emotional, personal landscape, but actually in my physical landscape as well. Parts of ourselves die as we experience and evolve into who we want to become. Certain beliefs die. Certain ideas that we had for ourselves, they pass. <laughs> and you're like, why did I ever think I was going to do that? How did I ever believe I was going to do that? We have to be okay with parts of ourselves passing. Death is a part of our lives 
throughout it as much as it is at the end. And honestly, I don't think that in general, most of us are great with death. (laughs) I think a lot of us struggle with it, actually. And I think that how we deal with death or don't deal with death at the end of our lives or someone else's life, when we are faced with that end of actual physical life, death, I think that the way that we deal with death in that situation is honestly very reflective of how we deal with death throughout our lives. We're terrified of it. We're terrified of letting go and what it means to let go. If you think about when someone dies, it's like we don't want to move on because it feels wrong. We don't want to move forward or evolve into what's next, this uncertainty that's before us. We don't want to have life redefined in the absence of what's dying or who is dying. A part of me died recently (laughs) and it was violent, really fucking violent. And I will tell you about the actual death, but then I was reborn I felt this rebirth and I was like, fuck yeah, awesome. This is great. Out with the old, in with the new. But then I was confronted with patterns, habits, relationships, and situations that the passed away part of myself left behind for me to deal with. I wasn't expecting that. I thought that I could re-enter situations and relationships of my past as this evolved, reborn, older, wiser Lauren and exist differently within them now. But now I'm realizing, (laughs) now I'm realizing that hanging on to some of those things and even just trying to exist in them is just another way of not letting those parts go, of not letting those parts of me truly rest. I want to bring them into my present now because they were so good in my present then. And if they were so good then, then they must be even better now that I am, you know, evolved and enlightened and growing up. But it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Fuck. It doesn't work like that. So with that, (laughs) I'm going to take you guys on a little journey. And if you find yourself wondering where the fuck is she going with this, I feel like that happens a lot. (laughs) Stick with me. I promise you I'm going to do my best to loop-de-doop-de this shit around and make it make sense. Maybe it won't fucking make sense. I mean, what really actually makes sense ever? Um, Take what you want, leave what you don't. I'm going to try to make this fucking cohesive because um, none of this shit makes sense to me. I'm just spitballing here and riffing. And if anybody has any pointers for your girl or can relate to uh, this death that I'm about to tell you guys about in any way, please hit me the fuck up because it's good to know you're not alone out here. Several weeks ago, I went to a kundalini yoga class. Kundalini yoga is one of my favorite things in the world. I started studying kundalini in Bali a couple years ago and essentially kundalini is your ultimate life force 
energy. It is located at the base of our spine, um, our second chakra, our sacral chakra, and it houses all of our reproductive organs, which is why it's our life force energy. Life is created in this space, and this is where our creative energy comes from for the rest of our lives, not just artsy-fartsy creativity. Creativity in the sense of creating our lives. Everything that we do, everything that we say, our thoughts, our actions, they are creating our lives and that's all that manifestation really is. And manifestation, that creativity, it comes from that chakra, our sacral chakra. I was going to give a total rundown on this episode and maybe I will um, on, you know, the chakras and energy centers and all of that. Maybe I will do that in a future episode if you guys are interested. But Joe Dispenza actually does a beautiful job. He has a book called Becoming Supernatural and he does a fantastic job at marrying actual scientific findings that are accepted by the scientific community and also ancient wisdom to kind of demystify chakras. But essentially, they are energy centers. Because we aren't taught about the energy centers in our bodies and the effect that they have on us, and we don't really look at it as all intertwined, this kundalini energy, it oftentimes lays dormant at the base of our spine, like a coiled snake. And kundalini itself actually means coiled snake. And so in a kundalini yoga class, our intention is to activate that energy and then pull it up like a snake that is uncoiling all the way up through each of our chakras in order to activate and balance each of those energetic bodies, those centers. We do this through physical exercises that get that energy circulating through mantras and through intentional breath because energy can get stagnant right? Energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be recycled and circulated, but it can certainly become stagnant and it can get stuck. Our bodies, the fascia and our muscles, it stores negative energy. It can just become stuck there. It has to be activated. It has to be moved. I think it's such a shame that traditionally in the West, we don't learn about this. When we're seeking medical help, when we have things wrong with our bodies, you never hear anyone talking about moving stale energy that is stored inside of us out. And when that negative energy compounds over time and doesn't circulate and is just being stored in our fascia and our our bodies and our bodies are just taking on all of this negative shit without ever moving through it and circulating it out that's when crazy illnesses happen so it's it's a shame to me that a lot of people brought up in this society listening to this are could totally just roll their eyes and be like you know just another hippy dippy (laughs) dumb bitch like go do don't listen to me go do research (laughs) go do your own research And maybe take a kundalini class. (laughs) Maybe look into energy healing and energy work. Shit is powerful. And if you haven't experienced it before, I 10 out of 10 strongly recommend. So about a month ago, I went to my first kundalini yoga class in America. I was so excited to find one. She had us 
working through all of the chakras so starting at our root and then moving to our sacral chakra our solar plexus our heart throat third eye and eventually crown with different exercises and mantras and types of breathing to go with with each I have it written down here just notes about every the different chakras and my personal experiences with activating them and uh, spending specific devoted time on each of them and if you guys are interested maybe let me know maybe I'll do a quick episode about that but definitely don't have time in this one but essentially what you need to know is that for this story's sake is that I was good I was chilling (laughs) root sacral solar plexus heart i am doing the mantras i'm feeling good and you can feel it inside of your body you can feel yourself start to tingle you can feel things moving within it's it's nuts you can feel the energy you can feel it circulating and i was i was thriving (laughs) but then we got to the throat chakra and you know for somebody who speaks and writes and is i aspire to be a seeker, an explorer of truth, you know, all the small T's which create the collective T. I really wasn't prepared to to find out that my throat chakra needed some fucking attention. So we held this pose and we used the mantra Sat Nam. So Sat Nam uh, is, is Sanskrit. Sat means truth and Nam means name. So together it means I am truth. And As we are holding this pose for, I believe it was three minutes, and we are in heavy breathing, sat nam, sat nam, my throat started to feel as if there was a fire in it. It started to burn. I began to cry, and my jaw was clenched. It didn't feel emotional. There was no emotion directly attached to it. It was just this physical release, and my throat was burning like hell. I felt like I was in a war. (laughs) And immediately after the class, immediately after, I started coughing up shit as if I had a cold for several weeks or had been smoking a pack of fags a day for fucking four decades. My throat was fucked. But I also had this like creative energy flowing. And the two weeks that followed, exactly two weeks that followed, I was sicker than shit but I wasn't actually sick like I felt fine everything about me felt fine my body felt fine my head felt fine I didn't have a runny nose I didn't have a fever nothing the only thing that was wrong was I had this insane cough I mean I was hacking it was fucking disgusting and it was a cough that felt deeper in my body than I have ever had before it was nuts and so I immediately started calling it my truth sickness because This fucking throat chakra thing is obviously what activated this. And I have had some gnarly physical reactions to energetic work in the past, but this was by far the most intense one. And the thing is too, is during this time, those two weeks, so much shit happened in my life where truth was ultimately revealed. Certain things fell completely away. Um, a project that I was working on, a massive project that would have been life-changing in a lot of ways, it fell through. And so a lot of uncertainty in my life and a lot of not knowing the truth about that came out. And the truth of what my life was going to look like in the near future began to kind of come together. 
relationships. I had some of the hardest conversations in those two weeks that I've had in in my life. I parted ways in certain relationships and other relationships were were deepened um, tremendously based on and in truth by truthful conversations hard conversations but conversations that were all rooted in truth and I just felt like every time I turned around there was just more fucking truth and it was it was overwhelming it was completely overwhelming but in this process I just I felt myself becoming less and less attached to the outcomes of speaking my truth and more committed to just speaking it regardless regardless of what it means because if it's my truth it's my truth if this is the reality of the situation then that's what it is and I can't be so attached to what it may or may not mean I began establishing boundaries in situations that I would normally just kind of deny my gut, deny deny my body, deny my truth in order to keep other people happy or for fear of judgment or rejection. I had some really tough conversations with close friends that led to me really diving in and exploring some of my shadow sides. It was fucking hard and on one of those days, it was hard, man. My fucking phone broke because I was so disheveled. I was such a mess. And I get in the car and my phone is in my sweater pocket and I'm like slamming the door. And my sw- I'm like, why won't this fucking door shut? And then I realized that my phone was like in the door and I was just slamming the fucking door on my phone. Shattered, broke, done. And so while I waited to get into the fucking Apple store, which is always fun, I just kind of had to sit. I just had to sit with these shadows <laughs> that had just, I mean, the night before really been kind of, uh, really had a, a light shined on them. And it was hard, man. I cried in those two weeks more than in the last several years combined. But you know that feeling when you're crying and you're actively trying not to cry harder? you're trying to hold it back, keep it back, and it feels like it's kind of lodged in your throat. (laughs) Of course, fucking throat chakra. Um, Mine felt lodged in my throat and it felt lodged in my chest. It just negative, stale energy felt fucking stuck there and I just couldn't get it out. So two weeks after this kundalini class and two weeks of this fucking truth sickness and all of these gnarly conversations and revelations and things happening. I didn't know what I needed, but I felt like death. And I kept saying it. I feel like death. I feel like there is death inside of me. So I went to the studio. I was coughing and my energy, I was just overwhelmed with what felt like grief Um, And it felt like I was mourning a death and I didn't quite understand it yet, but that's the feeling I got and I I wasn't sure why. And so I sat in it for a while and then eventually Skip, who I talk about all the time, he comes to the studio and I asked him to dig his fingers into a part of my back. I just needed pressure, right? Like kind of where my lungs are and I felt this like soreness. As he did, I began to cough. I began to cough violently. 
it was coming from deeper within me than I knew a cough could possibly fucking come. And then tears, just tears started pouring. I mean, just absolutely like just wailing. And then I started gagging. I started sobbing and I even threw up. I was just, it was, I know this is a lot of information. (laughs) I promise it has a purpose. (laughs) Skip has been seeing a therapist. He calls him his brain doctor, (laughs) which like, go for Skip. We celebrate men and everyone who goes to therapy. (laughs) We're all fucked up. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But Skip actually used this kind of technique and strategy that he has been working with in his sessions with his brain doctor. And he asked me to put words to what I feel. And I didn't necessarily feel sad. That's the thing. There was no one thing that I felt sad about it. And I just said, it's just a feeling, you know, in between the, the coughs and the, and the cries and the sobbing. And I'm just like, it's just a feeling. And then as I really took that in and said, okay, put voice to this, I said, it just came out and it's kind of a bit of a blur, but I remember bits and pieces of it just saying like, I want to breathe, um, surrender. I want to surrender. I felt like I was gasping for air from so deep within, just wanting to release, wanting to let go. And eventually it just, it started coming out. It started pouring out of me. Things that I didn't know were there, like things inside of me that I didn't know existed. Words came out of me that I didn't plan. I just began saying like, I don't know how to be this person. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm terrified. I miss her. (laughs) I miss her. And that, like, just saying that just kind of unlocked this entire world within me that I, again, didn't know was there. I realized I was, I was grieving. I was grieving for, for me. I was grieving for, for who I've been, who I was in the past, who I'm not anymore. You know, I I knew how to be her. I knew how to be the Lauren that was irresponsible and reckless. The one who was just wandering. When shit went terribly, terribly fucking wrong. Or when I was wasting time or energy in a million different places. I was just kind of there for the experience. It was all just for the experience itself. That was my purpose. It was fine. It was fine when shit hit the fan. It was fine when I ended up in crazy fucking situations all over the world because it was like, fuck it. This is what I'm doing right now. Like, this is my corporate ladder. I am out here experiencing doing the things and fucking up and learning and discovering. There was no wrong answer when I was doing that. It was all a part of it. Everything belonged. You know, aside from my life, my actual physical life, uh, with the stupid shit that I would do, I really didn't have that much to lose. I had no battle to fight. My traveling back then was out of a backpack, and I never knew where I was going to be sleeping the next month. I was reckless, had no plans. That was the plan. Um, I was a total yes woman. I would say yes to anything and everything, because why not? Even if 
I didn't really feel like this was my direction or I didn't really feel like this was where I was meant to go at the moment. Like it didn't fucking matter because it was all a part of it. I feel like a part of me has held on to returning to that, to her, to being lost on an island somewhere and sleeping in tents and being disconnected from anything that resembles the real world and aggressively running away from anything that even looks a sliver like structure. I wanted to go with the flow and it didn't matter where that flow led me because I'm just trying to find my path and my path is my own. It's not affecting anyone really and every shit show is kind of a part of my story. <laughs> I mean, I have some fucking awesome stories and it's because I went out there and lived and and I've been holding on to that, you know? I've been holding on to like, I'm still that person. I have to be that person or how am I going to get amazing stories? I'm obsessed with stories. I'm, I'm obsessed with living stories. I'm obsessed with being in a moment and being like, holy shit, like who scripted this? I was fearless absolutely fearless. I would go to a new country by myself with barely any money. I was prepared and even excited to live on the beach in the Philippines in a fucking tent for just a few dollars a day. Away from society, the people who know me best, the people who know me at all. Away from normal quote-unquote responsibilities or worries, or, you know, accountability, taxes, credit scores, monthly rent. I realized that I miss the feeling of believing I could cheat life. Or at least I thought I was cheating it. Really, I think I was actually learning how to live it on my own accord, how to exist <laughs> within it. Now I see it as that. I rebelled. I, I lived on the other side of the spectrum. I grew up in the West and I went to the fucking East. Only to realize that the other side is also a box. But that was her purpose. <laughs> and I started calling her Baby Lauren. So <laughs> um, that was Baby Lauren's purpose. Her purpose, her, her path was to search the world. To find the battle that was hers to fight. To experience all of the extremes, and then decide who it is that she wanted to become. The thing is, is I, I think she believed that she'd have to search the world over, that she would always be searching, that she'd always be exploring and discovering, fucking up, uh, fucking off, <laughs> falling, flying, landing, picking back up. I feel like baby Lauren believed that that was going to be her life forever. <laughs> And the thing is, is I think I've been holding on to that Lauren of the past, thinking that maybe I would return to her someday. But the battle found her. Baby Lauren's purpose, her purpose was to get to me, was to get here, where I am today, who I am today. And holding on to the parts of her that I have outgrown is not honoring all that she did to get here. Everything that she loved and everything that she was searching for and looking for, it's by holding on to those parts of her that are gone is doing her a disservice. I'm doing my past self a disservice and in that doing my current self and future self a disservice as well. So there was this letting go 
during this uh, purge, (laughs) during this death of mine, there was this letting go, this kind of Marie Kondo of the heart and mind, you know, (laughs) like hold on to what it is, appreciate it for what it has been for you, for what it's given me, and then saying goodbye, allowing it to to rest and allowing that memory to be protected and preserved and not destroyed because I'm desperate to make it outlive its, its expiration date. I was feeling so much grief and mourning over all of the versions of myself and everything that she endured and experienced and, and loved and went through um, that eventually brought me here. But I remember, I mean, I remember journaling ages ago when I would be in the midst of these kind of just meandering, gallivanting, fucking off, doing whatever. I remember promising myself, and it's written down, I, I promised myself, you know, when I find my battle, when I find my battle, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it like hell. I will stop, I will pause, and I will fight that battle. But until then, fucking say la vie, right? <laughs> I, I say the battle found me because this where I am sitting right now is not at all where or what I would have predicted when I wrote that I would stop and pause when I found my battle. The whole time I'm searching for a battle to fight and I didn't know what it was going to be or what you know sector it was going to be in or what it was going to look like and then eventually kind of realized that all of the battles there are to fight, at least for me, all the battles out there, they begin within, they begin internally, you know, they are battles external in our world are just mirrors of the battles going on within us. And that's the battle that I want to fight. I don't know what that's going to look like in the future. But right now it, it looks like becoming more honest. And it looks like following what feels good and encouraging other people to do the same connecting through story. I'm a storyteller and I feel like stories change the world. They make us each more human to each other. And so that's the battle that I want to fight. And now I'm fighting it. And baby Lauren brought me here. Baby Lauren is what made me fall in love with all of the things that are now laying the foundation for my life. And so I realized like, all right, I've got to get my shit together. I've got to let go. I'm always going to be a wanderer. I'm always going to be a traveler. And so many things about baby Lauren, her freedom and her um, rebellion and her wandering, those things aren't gone, but they have been kind of reincarnated. And that's the beautiful thing about death is like when we let things go, they can reincarnate. They can evolve into whatever they're going to evolve into next. But the reality is that I can't be who I was when I was fucking off and getting lost in the islands and not making plans and not staying in one place or not building a community, not worrying about shit like taxes and credit and having a routine in a, in a stable place. I can't do what I'm doing now and I can't go to the places, the new places that I have realized that I want to go and, and where I feel that I am going. I can't do those things if I am still holding on to the old Lauren and the baby Lauren's version of what that looks like. And I have got to just let her go. I can't go out partying and doing drugs and stupid shit until eight o'clock in the morning because 
I need my brain cells. I have a fucking business to run. I have a team. I have people who are investing in me and I have people who are believing in me and I have to show up. I have shit to lose now and I have something that I care about. I can't go and just disregard what my body feels that it wants and have a meaningless sexual experience that's not rooted in respect, openness, and authenticity. And yeah, casual sex is great, but there is a baseline for me now. I'm putting up with a lot less than I was before because I can't get on this mic or go into conversations about this shit, which I'm doing every single day now, and keep my integrity and be honest if I am still doing a lot of the dumb shit that baby Lauren did in the past that yes, taught her and got us here, but ultimately don't serve me anymore. So I decided it's time to get my shit together. I'm moving to LA. <laughs> Crazy. I, in a million fucking years, and I think too, this is part of it, like, accepting that baby Lauren was like, I am never moving to America. I am never living in the States, much less fucking Los Angeles. I mean, Jesus, talk about the complete opposite of what baby Lauren thought that she would be doing right now. Um, <laughs> I hope nobody's mad that I'm talking in the third person, but I'm not because baby Lauren is a separate entity, okay? <laughs> so in the days after my death, I think I need to sage. <laughs> I've got some seven chakra sage. Oh yeah, baby. I'm saging all of you listening to this right now. <laughs> so in the days kind of following this death of mine, I felt this sense of peace, uh, this, this calm, as if I had finally accepted that just like other relationships or experiences or moments, how seasons pass, I've accepted that I feel as though traveling a lot and coming and going has taught me how to accept kind of the passing of seasons, the passings of passing of relationships and moments. It's taught me how to appreciate that. And now it was learning how to accept kind of the passing of a season within. And I felt this sense of, of peace, this in-between. I mean, once I decided, it didn't even feel like a choice to move to LA. It just, the timing worked out perfectly. It was crazy. I ended up being able to come back to my mother's who lives close to LA for the first time in several, several years. I was able to just kind of like collect all of my shit and move it into the room that I lived in in her house when I was in college and kind of set up a space for me for now. And I'm going to now start focusing on more, I call this like adolescent Lauren, this like next stage, this adolescent Lauren things, like saving up and getting my credit right, finding out where I want to be 
the idea of signing a lease, I never thought I would sign a lease. I never thought I would buy property, especially in the States. And so now I'm like, okay, all right. You know, I, I do want a home. I want a home base. Baby Lauren thought that I could have a place to live permanently or she could travel the world. And adolescent Lauren realizes that baby, we can have it all. The fucking sky is the limit, but we're going to move forward mindfully this time because just deciding to do something and then jumping at it with no plan or practical steps in place to keep a plan in place is it that's a very baby lauren thing to do i decided to come back here root i am around a community of people who know and love me and who have my best interest in mind and i am planning for this future that i want for myself now but before coming back you know i was just in this peaceful in between. It felt as though a season was coming to a peaceful end. Uh, A season of Gilmore Girls, you know, the finale. It's like everyone's fucking chipper. Everyone's happy. We're chilling. Everything's good. And it was a day or so before I moved. This all happened very quickly. (laughs) It was a day or two before I moved that I realized, oh shit, as I grow, adolescent Lauren is growing. (laughs) The possibilities are becoming bigger. The opportunities are getting bigger. I'm leveling up. Oh, fuck. (laughs) That means the challenges, the risk, the situations that I'm going to have to move through are also going to level up. Fuck. Like, all right. So I've just kind of spent a few days resting in this in-between and embracing this peaceful calm that existed at the time. Once I got here, I began to get settled. I felt in my body that this was like episode one of season two. Things are slowly getting into motion. Things start out really calm and peaceful, um, but then they, they quickly start picking up. Now, I can't in good faith let you guys walk away from this episode believing that I have, you know, run off and joined a convent. Like, your girl is still here. Uh, it's all a learning process, right? I mean, in my first week here, I reached out to a pretty major ex after three margaritas and then met up with him after six. And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, I've, uh, I've also worked a, uh, I've worked some questionable night labor that didn't involve sex. Don't worry, <laughs> mom, grandma. But I did get picked up in a, in a minivan from a Walgreens parking lot. We're going to have to put that on hold because I'm not entirely sure it's legal. So we're going to have to talk to the lawyers, but first I'm going to need to get lawyers Even more reason for adolescent Lauren to get her shit together and get to work. I'm still talking about her in the third person. Me. I need to get my shit together. I need to get to work so that I can get lawyers so that I can talk about shit and not get fucking sued or arrested. And with that, I'm so excited about what's coming up for the queendom. I haven't just been fucking off in questionable situations. I... I'm so excited to share with you some of the things that I've been working on. Next week, you are not going to want to miss finding out about what circus sex is. Um, I didn't know either, but let me just say that there is truly a world of possibilities out there. You are definitely not going to want to miss this two-part episode starting next week. In a few weeks, any of you out there with a pussy who enjoy getting it licked properly are definitely not going to want to miss and you're definitely not going to want your partner or whoever is doing the licking, the honor, to miss an episode where I sit down with someone who is going to take your oral game from the minors to the pros.
Speaking of pussies, we are going to be talking about them a lot. Adolescent Lauren is doing all sorts of new things. I had a woolly mammoth between my legs for about a month and a lot less men in between my legs. So we are going to be talking about all of these things and just so much more in these next few months right here on Thy Queendom Come. I'm so grateful that you guys are here, that you're still around. Reach out to me, low at queendomlow.com or on my Instagram at queendomlow. I love hearing from you guys. I will see you next week on Thy Queendom Come. Mm-hmm.